welcome back to another captivating episode of The Power of Perspective with Stephen Ritchie. I'm your host, and today we have an exhilarating adventure in store for you. Join me as we dive deep into the immersive realms of board games and role-playing games with a remarkable team from Zonia Games and Geekery on YouTube. I'm thrilled to be joined by Mikhail, one of the brilliant creators behind the South African YouTube channel that ignites the imagination of countless gamers and geeks worldwide. Get ready to unlock a world of strategy gaming, thrilling narratives, and boundless creativity. Mikhail, welcome to the show. Hello. How Thank you, you very today? much for having me. I'm good in yourself. Yeah, yeah, pretty good. Um, yeah, happy to, to have you on. I've, you know, been observing your YouTube channel and there's been just really good content and it's, you know, it's, it's part of my interests and thought, hey, let's bring them on. Uh, it'll be a cool little episode. I think a lot of people will be interested. Oh, I'm glad you've been watching and yeah, I hope, hope things go well. Tell us about um, Zonia Games and Geekery on YouTube and just also just, in, you know, just say maybe a bit about yourself and how these things came together. All right. So, well, I'm Mikhail Malik. Um, I'm a TV producer and director by day. Uh, I'm a, an arcane trickster by night. <laughs> and um, Zarnia Games and Geekery came about through, I mean, I've been playing Dungeons and Dragons for years with friends, and I've been listening to a podcast called Critical Role, uh, which has been kind of the, a, a, a constant companion in my various commutes around, you know, to work and to, to set and that kind of thing. A wonderful little podcast about Dungeons and Dragons. And, you know, the games that we're playing with and the people we were playing with, I felt were quite entertaining, were quite fun. It's a really fun bunch of people. And I figured, you know, we could do this. We could do a critical role here in South Africa. We don't have much like this out there um, in the country or anything like this out there in the country. There is one channel called uh, Dum Dum Die, which does, does a lot of stuff on Twitch. They're wonderful. They're an all-girl, all-awesome uh, D&D team. But they were based in Joburg, and basically they were doing their own thing, and we figured, you know, why not try our own thing and also expand into the realm of geekery and games and general, you know, nerdiness uh, like we, we love with our team. And, yeah, Zarnia Games and Geekery was born when we brought a bunch of actors together, friends of ours, voice actors, um, Dungeons and Dragons fans and we started playing a campaign together and we just had the best time doing it and from there we expanded into board games we expanded into reviews we expanded into comedy skits and next thing we knew uh, we were on a thousand subscribers and we're on a weekly release schedule and it's becoming you know it's gaining a life of its own yeah that must be quite an exciting journey yeah so you know this this team maybe just uh, say a little bit about the team you know Who's there? You know, it sounds like your mates and maybe some people you've brought in along the, the journey. I mean, the core team is, consists of um, myself, uh, who does all like the technical behind the scenes stuff. Our DM, John Keevy, who is comes from a theater background, who's an incredibly talented storyteller. And Adil Patel, who uh, is our most recent member in our core team, who is uh, a self-proclaimed and rightfully so, a board game guru. He's an expert on board games, expert on board game mechanisms and on that kind of thing. And he just brings with him a wealth of knowledge uh, about um, tabletop play, uh, gaming. And so that's the core team. We also have an expanded team who are our players in our Dungeons and Dragons uh, offering on our, sh on our channel. Um, and they're Alice Lazarus, Terence Mentor, uh, Maibuye Magwaza, um, uh, Pags, Bantwana, and Natalie Robbie. And they are these fantastic 
they're actors, most of them. Uh, Terence and Maibuya are just fans of the game, but they're amazing. And they're just, yeah, they're our friends. They're people who we've known for years. Um, Alice and I knew each other at university. And we, we came together over a love of gaming and uh, role-playing. Some of them are there for the acting some or in the role-playing. Some of them are for the mechanics and, and playing the game. And together we have this wonderful mishmash of characters and uh, personalities that really create an adventure and make it really exciting. Yeah. And have you found this experience has kind of, you know, brought you guys closer and, you know, really kind of learn things about each other? And, you know, it's quite a, it's quite a lot of dedication, right, to put time in. Yeah. I mean, it, it is kind of like... You know, we've gone on some incredible adventures together in this magical world uh, that came from John's brain. And, you know, we've gone through ups and downs. We've had in-character arguments. We've killed each other's parents. We've uh, insulted each other. We've saved each other. We've fallen in love with one another, fallen out of love with one another. <laughs> and it is, it, is, it is incredible to see how our characters have evolved and how much depth they've gained over the course of our show, as well as, you know, we've made friends. We've definitely, as you say, come closer together as, as a group and we still hang out, we still chat. We, even though we're not playing anymore, we still talk about playing and we still see each other like at improv classes, for example, or we all went to go watch the Dungeons and Dragons movie together um, because, you know, that is something we all love and share. And we, we even did a 48 hour film project together. So we, it's, it's a wonderful bunch of people and Dungeons and Dragons and Dungeons and Dragons and our channel definitely brought us. Uh, closer together you guys are in, so in the south african sort of youtube I suppose market there's not as you said there's not much sort of um even geek culture type channels that do these sort of similar and same sort of things well, why do you think that is we've got such a strong little community um of these areas growing you know people are passionate like yourselves i think it, this is this is a symptom of south african media in general where our audiences don't believe we are able to do it as well as they do overseas. Um, so you'll often find, you know, even though if I work in television and film and so that there are some incredible South African films, which South Africans will not go watch. They simply won't watch it. They'll, it'll come out in the movie. The producers of that movie will do their utmost best to get this film out there. And South Africans will not go watch it just simply because they do not believe that the quality will be good enough. Um, there is this perception of, you know, if it's South African, it's cheap and it's crap and it's, um, you know, not going to be as good. And unfortunately, to some extent, that stereotype is true. Um, there is a lot of content out there that simply isn't up to par. And um, I know I'm sounding very snobbish here, but, you know, it, it's, it does boil down to that. It, it, it's just not good enough. And it is a budget thing and it is a restrictions thing. We you know we are, you know, we don't have the kind of money that Hollywood does. Um, but at the same time, you know, sometimes we're too ambitious with our, with our ideas and, and it falls flat and it gives the whole industry a bad rap. And I feel that is why, you know, our, our geek market looks to international trends, looks to international content, looks to international products, um, because that's the good quality. That's the good stuff. You know, yeah. that's what we're missing in South Africa. We don't have the good stuff. Um, Disney show that's just come out. That's, that's got some spectacular um, South African or African stories. that a lot of South Africans are involved in the creation of Kizazi Moto generation fire. Um, it's a 10 part sci-fi animation series featuring stories from Egypt, Kenya, Nigeria, South Africa, 
um, Uganda, Zimbabwe, etc. And it's just, it's at that quality. It's at that quality that, you know, people are expecting. It is spectacularly made. Um, but again, it's it's something that for South Africans is, is novel. And we're not really expecting, you know, th- th- this qual- kind of quality is not what's expected, even though we are fully capable of doing it, as weird as that sounds. It's, it's a market development issue. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, that's tough. Eh? You know, everyone's so used to Hollywood that little smaller markets can't grow. What do you think the strengths that come through from the South African content creation like are? Like, as you said, it's either you, you, you meet on par with the international sort of, you know, Marvel movies or, you know, that sort of thing, or you create something unique that shines that there's no competition for. I think it's, there's, there was an interesting comment um, in one of our interviews. So part of Zanya Games and Geekery is we interview geeks. We interview people who are involved in this space um, in, in Africa and in South Africa. And we interviewed Sivan Gesi who is a producer, director, he's an actor, um, and he had just come off the set of Blood Psalms, which is an African, which is like the South African answer to Game of Thrones. At least that's how it was kind of, you know, sold to us or told to us. And he said something interesting, or rather it was John in that interview where, you know, why are we saying it? Why are we saying it's we're framing it in the context of a European and American production. We're saying it's the South African Game of Thrones. When is going to be that moment where it's going to be the British South African production, the British version of whatever we make? Um, we we go through our production process and our and our thought processes when creating content. And we compare it to Europe. And it's like, how do we make it like that? Yeah. Rather than thinking, how do we do it ourselves? And you asking, like, what is the what is the strength of um, African content creation? I think that strength will lie in the strength will emerge when we are when we disassociate ourselves from the European and American markets, when we stop comparing ourselves. One of the best pieces of advice I ever received, you know, coming up as a as a director and as a filmmaker was you know, don't watch anything. Don't consume other media that you're trying to make. So if you're working on a film, stop watching movies for that period. You know, if you're working on a, on a board game, stop playing other board games, create something that is uniquely your own, that speaks to your heart. And then you'll create something that is uniquely your own and, and will be, will be something that you can own. And it might be similar, but we can't escape that. We can't escape similarity, but you shouldn't be making it with the idea that, this is, I'm making a South African Game of Thrones. I'm making a South African version of Monopoly or whatever, you know, if you're, if you're going the board game route. Yeah. Um, in terms of what strengths lie here is that we are sitting on a treasure trove of story and talent from a perspective that exists nowhere else in the world. We have a melting pot of people that exists nowhere else in the world. We have a melting pot of cultures, language. And once we tap into that, and we are tapping into that slowly but surely, then we are, that's where our strength is going to, is going to really come to the fore. Um, and that's where I think, you know, Zania comes in nicely. It's like the diversity of the people in our, in our team, for example, something as simple as that yeah. came up with, with the most incredible characters and the most incredible stories and the most incredible moments, simply because we all come from such different backgrounds, um, but still, you know, speak the same geeky language. Yeah, as I said, I um, have to implement like jury duty on yourself, like remove the influence and just build a true perspective and put that into your work. If I look at like the music, right? Like 
we've got some of our music that makes it overseas and that becomes big. It's so South African flavored. Almost feels like you're listening to people chatting in your neighborhood, you know, from everything from the, the Afrikaners, Jack Barrow, or, you know, um, obviously the, the Afrikaans guys have quite a flavor, but there's a whole bunch. But it's just interesting that the, the video kind of content creation, at least um, I think in a lot of spheres, but, um, you know, in board games for sure, is, yeah, it's, it's, I think, it's tough. I think you've touched on an interesting point where, and this, I'm not speaking for all successful South African music overseas, but there is an element of like, uh, I forget the word, but people consume that and, and, and find it interesting and, and fun because it's like this, oh, it comes from Africa. Um, it's like a novelty for them that it's African music, that it's got African flavor. Um, and, and that song or that moment becomes successful because people are like, oh, wow, this came from Africa, you know? And it's, it's almost like a fetishization or, or, or there's, a, there's a term called Orientalism, you know, where it's, it's this exotic thing that you're, you're elevating for a moment because it it's, comes from there. And it's, you're fa- it's famous because it's from Africa and it's of, of a certain quality. Whereas, and then you look at musicians like um, Black Coffee comes to mind, where he's no longer seen as like, oh, he's, he's a good DJ. Uh, and you know, he's good for someone who comes from Africa. That's the term that, like, that people say, oh, it's great for something from Africa. Black Coffee, for example, as a musician, is just a great musician. He's seen as this, you know, credible musician in people's eyes. And not just because, you know, they're expecting a lower quality from Africa and, and they're getting a good quality from Africa. He's just good. Um, so music is, has, has that, has that kind of fetish. And a lot of African content has that kind of like, Oh, wow, this is great for, for Africa. And we need to break that, that stereotype. We need to break that thought process in the international market. Um, how we do that is tricky because <laughs> we're, we're, we're competing against markets that have so much, they have more resources, they have more money, they have, you know, and the market that is, that is paying for the things that they make is in their own countries. Whereas what we make here isn't necessarily consumed here. Yeah. As a as a YouTube channel, how do you guys grow and expose increase the exposure and the desire to choose, you know, over the competition, you know, the dice towers and such of the worlds? Mm. Like like what's your sort of game plan? So it's interesting. We when we started out with uh, with Zanya Games and Geekery, we were like, let's, you know, let's make it like Critical Role, let's make it like Dice Tower, let's make it like Geek and Sundry. We very quickly realized how little money we have in comparison to those productions and those channels and also the resource of time. Um, all, you know, all our founding members and all our, you know, players all have full-time jobs. Um, you know, and I'm the only one who does the technical stuff. I'm the only one who, who films and edits it. Um, so we, we were quite limited by, by those elements. Um, and we can't afford to pay people to spend, you know, to replace their time spent on a set or their time spent in the office, with with playing Dungeons and Dragons, we we didn't that doesn't happen for us, and we don't have the sponsors um, or the interest in South Africa necessarily fall in this space to be able to afford that either. So we we were fighting um, an uphill battle from the start, and then we realized you know we spoke to a couple of people in the in the YouTube space, and we're like let's let's target our local community first and foremost. Um, you know, aim to create something of a high quality that can compete with the with the big dogs, but but you know, be realistic about it and and make it in such a way that that fits into our schedules and time um, and our resources. So we we started aiming towards a, a local community, and our main plan 
is to, because we don't want to just be a channel that gives that's you know asks people hey watch our stuff we want to be seen as real people and who are active in the community and 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 we do our best to do just that and that is how i feel that we're growing our local um you know following is is by being involved in the community we go to we participate and we take part in uh events and and various you know gaming weekends we do board game jams where people can come together and create board games we we go to comic cons we speak at the comic cons we we teach games we play board dungeons and dragons at comic cons we're very much i mean you and i even saw each other at comic con um so we're very much creating a community we're creating we're aiming to be involved in the community we're we're aiming to to interact with our audience rather than just plonk it onto youtube and say hey watch and that is our our plan and i think that's where as as because we're all so passionate all you know all of our our at least our founding members we absolutely love this content and for us it doesn't feel like work it doesn't feel like um we're doing something to build something with a plan and a schedule we're, we're just doing what we would have been doing anyway <laughs> yeah yeah um, we're just, the scene, we're just right? doing we're just adding we're just adding you know zarnia stuff on the side you know i hand out a card i remind people i chat to that hey you know there's a there's this channel i'm on or i create and come check it out yeah and and that's our plan yeah well you know i think people when they're sort of like you as people and they're invested in what you're doing will almost be more supportive and eager you know with my podcast i'm just like hey i did an episode and like friends are like oh yeah definitely gonna check it out um and i think it's just because you you know them and you know topics you speak on in your case engage in and you're passionate right people love Mm. that and as you said it's relatable and do you think you there's like good community engagement initiatives that um, should be developed and that maybe you guys have sort of thought on or it's just kind of happening in the scene. So it's so in terms of creating like a community engagement, there's lots of community events. You know, there's, I mean, I speak for Cape Town particularly, you know, there, there used to be FanCon, which is now teamed up with Comic-Con. There's the Claws events from UCT. They create, they do Dragonfire every year, which is an amazing event. By the way, we're going to be at Dragonfire. So if you want to come meet us, if you want to come hang out, if you want to come play some board games and Dungeons and Dragons, come check us out at Dragonfire. Those events, they've been happening for years and they exist and people come together and and at those events, what is consumed and what is displayed and what is discussed is international content. There isn't there isn't a South African board game that is played. Maybe there's a game called Ambition that is quite widely played, you know, in, in, in South Africa that is probably the closest thing um to to you know your Catan for example, or, or games like that. I'm not saying in terms of mechanic, but in terms of playability and people playing it uh, in, on mass. And and so when you go there, when you say, I create South African content, what does that really mean? Are you discussing, are you using your channel to discuss international games? Which, yes, of course, we do that. Um, but Zania, we are trying to highlight local designers, local Dungeons and Dragons players, you know, local events. Um, and if we are doing international content we're obviously putting a south african spin on things um yeah those communities yeah if i have to you know think about it you mentioned you know ambition you know that's rob in action (laughs) and uh yeah he's a good board game developer he's produced sort of quite a um you know competitive international sort of standard but you know his approach is probably relatable to yours is he really to promote his game engaged with stores, you know, even gaming it at like promo copies when you buy something else and engaging with community, getting tournaments up, you know, chatting to people. And I think like that just investment in the actual people as opposed to just here's a product sell 
um, mm. I think that was part of his success, you know? Yeah, and, and, and that's, that approach is definitely part of, of why we're where we are at the moment, is, is that we're investing in, in people. Um, but again, getting people to subscribe, getting people to commit to what we're making is, is tricky on many levels. Um, a, you know, we, we, we have to physically make the content. We have to physically be consistent and, and create content that is interesting and entertaining and relevant. Um, and we, we need the physical time and resources to make it. Um, and then on top of that, you know, we're working with a market that is not, not, not fully convinced that, that South African content is worth investing in um and and how we change that is it's a it's it's that starfish story you know where well not starfish story but it is it's it's it's, and how we change that is one person at a time um one comic-con at a time one dragon fire you know if one person meets us and plays a game with us and then goes watches our channel that's one person more that we've convinced that you know our south african content is worth it and if you actually give sort of slow going yeah but uh a Honorable, and I think, you know, you're really sort of um, maybe taking the lead and showing people that you can sort of, you know, grow these things. You can attract listeners, um, you know, and compete on international, but also bring your own flavor. And I think you could be successful. Maybe it's a good confidence boost for other people around looking, hey, can I make it? You know, can I produce international quality? Can I really draw people in and get good following? And yeah, like if you had to give tips for creating like engaging content and that attracts viewers, like what's sort of the broader just uh, thought process? I mean, know your audience, know who you're speaking to, um, have a why. Um, to there's a there's a there's that famous talk by Simon Sinek, um, who explains have a why to what you're creating. Um, so with with Zania, for example, you know we are particularly focused on the tabletop playing games and RPGs. We we don't want to delve into computer games and console games and you know playing online. That's a different market. That's a different intention for a channel. We could probably be more successful possibly if we had gone if we had opened ourselves up to that market but that is not our why we don't that's not what we're, we're believing in we want games and geeks and you know who, who engage in kind of the, the the less digital side of things and in some of it obviously is digital but we we want people to engage and play games with each other to to meet up and interact and that is the magic of why we're making this is that we want people to play games that bring friends together and have them sit around the table and have a good time um without having to be connected to a screen or to a console or to whatever and my main tip is as i said know your knowing your audience understanding that niche that you're that you're going into and don't be afraid of a niche don't try and this is what was our mistake in the beginning is we, we, we tried too much and we tried to be too broad. And we found that by committing to a niche of board games and Dungeons and & Dragons and tabletop content, we, that's where we found ourselves. Um, and because the world is such a big place and there's so many people that, that consume all sorts of different media, your niche will work. You know, you just have to understand what people within your niche want from that niche and then build around it. And don't... Um, and this this goes back to that piece of advice that I got was and don't compare yourself to other channels. Yes, some of your content will be similar. That's because you, your niche is similar. 
you know, there are other people working within your niche and the content will be similar. Don't be afraid of that. But and don't be afraid to be yourself because that is what makes your content unique. Yeah. And uh, in all these events and travels and engagements and just viewers in general, have you had any sort of memorable uh, interactions with the viewers and people out there? Any fun sort of stories or just, you know, things that were impactful? I think there were some lovely moments at um, our con talks, you know, our Comic-Con talks that we've had and our panels that we've hosted, you know, people come up to you afterwards and they're, they're full of questions and they're, and they're excited by, you know, the fact that your panel made them want to create that content themselves. You know, the fact that we had that impact on, on at least one person out there, you know, is great. And, our, you know, that's a really good feeling. And it shows that, you know, the effort that we're making to send our message out there and to get people excited about, you know, board games and Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, geeky things, it's sinking in somewhere. Um, and in terms of stories, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't know how much of a story this is, but we were at a thing called SwordCon, which is a Cape Town-based event where people play Warhammer, Magic the Gathering and board games. And we were playing Wingspan with uh, these two, um, two women and we were just chatting. And the one woman says to me, I recognize you from somewhere. And I'm like, no way. She's like, I recognize your voice. Can you do an Afrikaans accent for me? And then I did, I did my Iggy Kaldarkuning, which is my character in, in our Dungeons and Dragons uh, offering here on Zania. And she's like, it's you, it's you. I've been watching your channel for ages. And for me, who, in, who works in television, who works behind the camera all the time, to, to have that moment of someone recognizing you because you were on camera was firstly, it was my first time ever. And I was like, oh, you know, and it was lovely to meet someone who I didn't know from a bar of soap who was watching the channel. So, you know, a lot of people that I know will be like, oh, I watched your show or I, I really, you know, in, enjoyed this video. But it's people I know. And I'm like, okay, you know, it's kind of like your mom telling you she's proud of you. <laughs> but having but having someone who was a complete stranger uh, we, who I met over playing a wonderful board game like Wingspan, you know, saying that she recognized me because of my voice was really was really a cool moment and again going back to that thing I was just saying earlier where it's lovely to see when your message has been heard and that's a great feeling and it's something that keeps me pers I can't speak for the other two founding or core members but that definitely keeps me going and wants me to create Mozania because it's really nice to have that connection with someone and now to this day me and that and that person are you know friends we we played board games again at comic-con we hung out we you know worked together there and it was it's lovely and now we're we bonded over our youtube channel i mean that's amazing right almost just kind of reveals the impact that your work has and kind of validates you know like i do also like quite a lot of performance related things and when you know someone that's as i said not in your immediate sphere that has genuinely just formed their own perspective just purely on the content no bias yeah, and I can imagine that's it, it's a cool feeling, right? It, mm, um, absolutely. And so to go into the um, you know the the content of your folks' channel, as you said, there's pro, the primary sort of things that I gather, but there's lots of sort of things. You guys attend events and um, you do board game reviews, and there's role game playing game plays. But it's just kind of like um, maybe core sort of things at least from i've picked up but i'm sure there's a lot more but let's go into that so on the on the board game side let's talk about you know your review process and just what are the thoughts and just actually what what happens there um to you a a listener who's not familiar with um your content maybe hmm. so zanya games and geekery the name says it all uh we deal with 
board games. We deal with all sorts of types of geekery. Um, we we play. We have fun. We we create. We embrace South African geekiness um, as well as it's it's what people are interested in. And we also embrace geeky creators uh, on our on our on our channel. So it all started with Dungeons and Dragons, with us playing. Um, you know, a, a homebrew Dungeons and Dragons in the world of Storm's Eye, which is a wonderful and wacky um, world from John Keevy's brain. It's a world which has taken bites of other worlds from other dimensions and mushed them all together. So there's, you know, crazy, uh, a crazy concoction and a mix of different races, cultures, uh, you know, technologies, um, all in this in this world where everything is swirling into what is called the storm's eye and and eventually gets crushed uh, in the center of this world, but very slowly. So people are able to, you know, move from island to island, from place to place to to survive over thousands of years. And, you know, these these yeah, these amazing adventures happen in, in this world um, simply because it is it is a bit of everything from different dimensions and different places. That's kind of was the core of our, of our channel and showing that we love to play. We love to embrace this geeky game that everyone knows, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and we expanded into, because we want to support the South African geek space, we want to support South African geeks who create geeky things. Um, so we, we started interviewing authors that write you know south african spec speculative fiction or sci-fi or fantasy we started interviewing actors script writers you know anyone who dabbles in that geek space in one way or another we wanted to put them on our platform and give them you know a voice to to talk about their work to talk about their passion and to talk about you know what drives them so we have board game designers we have script writers you know all under uh, speak to the geek it's one of our playlists on our on our channel um and then when when i serendipitously met um adil who's our board game guru we were over the moon because we obviously love board games we love playing them we love even designing them and creating them john comes from a space of pc game design he writes for pc games um so it was like a match made in heaven and then we started going into our board game reviews and board game playthroughs uh, both local board games and international board games um and you know john and adil have fantastic chemistry there and you know even a review of, of a game that can be quite tedious to learn is is well in my opinion because I'm, i like smaller games you know bigger games but they make it fun and they make it exciting and they add their own you know personality and flavor to it um, and that's when we realize you know this is that's a good enough sphere of content we've now kind of covered all the geeky things that we wanted to cover without expanding beyond our niche and that's what zanya games and geekery offers we offer unplugged tabletop play uh, we offer unplugged tabletop gaming um you know bring your get your friends together play a board game make a board game become part of the game you know in an rpg sense and you know hopefully something on zanya can uh, inspire you to do that and if you had to evaluate board games as an area of interest, what, what's the magic there that draws people in? Ooh, I need some time to think about that one. So board games, firstly, it's a sense of, 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 of a shared experience. It's like sport, you know? It's, you're playing a game with other people. You are testing your skills against them, but you're also, you know, seeing if you can do it, if you can figure out each board game is a series of, is essentially a series of decisions that need to be made um, in order to achieve a certain goal. And it's basically a puzzle 
can you solve that puzzle better? Can you solve that puzzle quicker than your opponents if you are playing uh, a competitive game? Uh, or if you're playing a collaborative game, can we solve this this puzzle better than the game is able to... Up- is the game able to outplay us or are we able to outplay the game? There's a satisfaction in solving and gaining things within the game you know when you take a piece and bought in when you take a piece in chess for example there there is a there's a dopamine hit you know when you when you get that resource that you really wanted in Catan because you rolled just the right number there's a dopamine hit there's there is an excitement to it um and then combining that with a winning combo or a great fork in chess or a great combo in Magic the Gathering, you know, there is a sense of satisfaction to it. And, you know, there is that ingrained human need to or drive to win and to be good at something. And board games offer you that and they offer you different ways of, of approaching problems. Or they, they, they present you with different problems that, you know, it's interesting because people, that's, that's us as humans, I don't think we'd be here if we weren't curious creatures that want to solve problems and, and take delight from solving problems. And that's what makes board games so much fun is because they're so delightful um, in, the, in solving that particular type of mechanism to make yourself win or to make yourself get the resources or whatever. And that's what I think the draw of board games is. And the fact that you're sharing that experience with friends and having a good time and laughing and, you know, having... The fact that you're sharing that with friends and having a good time whilst doing it obviously makes it so much more sweeter. Yeah. Um, yes. And I just kind of, just to add, add on to that, like doing that via online playing PC games doesn't have that same feeling of immediacy as actually sitting there with that person and sharing that moment. Yeah, we're social creatures. And mm. you know, in this virtual world that we spend so much time on, we are lacking that level of human connection and, you know, a lot of, communication is you know non-verbal so hearing those responses and just really connecting with people having fun and you know what i learned in board games is thinking and challenge and even kind of a version of hard work is fun in that sphere you know in a working world people can ooh and are about you know ah you know i don't want to think and you know work hard and strategize and stuff but when people come into board games that i find interesting they realize you know in the right setting and mood you know our brain loves challenge and stimulation and it brings it out so well and that with this getting back to this social connection it, it really is good at facilitating socialization and just fun and getting back to that as a you know like a big community i I think it's so great and offers so much to the world exactly you you've hit the nail on the head there and yeah no it's it's a a beautiful thing and you know just the variety now you know we've had this upsurge of you know uh, board game designers and board game accessibility to funds and technology and and creativity and so you know there's more games of different natures and mechanics than you could ever (laughs) you could ever dream of and endless you know variability right it's (laughs) <laughs> you can spend a lot of time in it, but it's time you will cherish and remember and grow friendships in. Mm, agreed. Yeah. And in your, uh, you know, being involved and seeing some of the reviews and the processes, is there any, like, favorite uh, reviews or nature or aspects of just the review process um, that you enjoy? And, you know, also just memorable moments, funny stories, anything on that side of the channel that you stories so what i what i like about our reviews you know we have our board game guru who's a deal who he could do it all by himself 
But as I mentioned earlier, there is a chemistry between him and John, which makes our reviews just to really spark and come to life. And um, I always tell John, whenever we do a review, come up with a fun fact that is tangential to the, to the theme of the game. Um, and John, who runs a quiz or used to run a quiz weekly, uh, which, you know, relied on really quirky general knowledge that he used to research and, and, and create content for, um, he comes up with the wildest fun facts um, some of which are, you know, not safe for work kind of stuff. And we, we end up having to cut it out. But those stories always out there and, and it, it creates such a fun vibe on set. Um, so reviewing, we are trying to, you know, the review is there to to educate someone on whether or not they might enjoy the game, you know, because of these aspects. But it's also a little bit of, of entertainment. We want people to have fun whilst watching the review and not just sit there and, you know, wait to be told if this is a, the game for them. Um and so that's kind of my favorite thing about our review process is the fun that we add to it um, and how and, and as we you know, as we were speaking about earlier, like this, the problem that needs to be solved is how do you make something that is essentially an instruction or that is essentially a, you know, an opinion on, on something? How do you make it entertaining? How do you make people smile whilst watching this review? And yeah, I think we, we, we do so quite successfully in our reviews. They're, they're a lot of fun to film. They're a lot of fun to edit. And yeah, check them out. Um, on the John side, you mentioned, is there any facts you can recall at this moment, fun facts that sort of stuck with you or are just a good share that you would like to mention now? Here's an interesting one that's, that's become quite a, a prominent theme throughout our um, reviews is in one of our early reviews, we were talking about wombats. And the fun fact that John brought to the table was that wombats, um, they poop in squares. Their, their, their poops are little cubes, you know, which in the game that we were playing, we were you know, pushing cubes around the board. And the fact that wombats poop in cubes was a fact that I found absolutely amazing and hilarious and has since become a, a trope throughout our um, reviews. Whenever there's a, a game that has cubes in it, I promise you somewhere in that review, there's going to be a wombat. And so, so that fun fact has, has, has created like a, a trend of wombats throughout the, uh, throughout our series. And it is a lot of fun. Now, John is the wombat guy and, and Zanya Games and Geekery, Adil and John are the cube pushers of um, the internet because we love a lot of games that involve moving cubes from one place to another. And, you know, that link to the poop cubes from a wombat is just <laughs> comedy gold. Well, you know, there's sort of a, sometimes people describe board games in sort of a, a way that's designed to make them sound super lame. It's like, yeah, in board games, we, instead of this immersive experience, we just move little cubes around and shift cardboard from from the one side of the table to the other side. And so mm. that's a way just to have um, make fun of, you know, those kind of aspects, right? Turn mechanics into little fun memes and experiences. Yeah, exactly. And make and that makes it more relatable. It, it, it breaks down that barrier of like, because board games can be intimidating, especially the heavier, on the heavier side, like your, your game like Scythe or Blood Rage or, you know, um, or, or Ark Nova. They're incredibly intimidating you know, if you were looking at it without context, without any reviews or anything like that, and you open up that box and you look at that rule book and the amount of reading you need to do and understanding, and it is intimidating. It's like it's like learning another language sometimes with some games. But the fact that 
at Reeve, you can break it down in a fun way. And most games, there's just there's like five core mechanics that you just need to understand, and everything else kind of falls into place as you play. That is that is how I you know experience board games when I'm learning a new one, especially the bigger kind of like heavier Euro games. Is that they look so intimidating? There's so many moving parts, but when you really at the core of it, there's like five main points max. You do those points in the order and it's little like tree branching offshoots that little rules that you need to remember. But essentially, you can play the game with just knowing those five points. I played Blood Rage for the first time ever um, the day before yesterday and I had never played it before. I'd watched a really fun review about it. I had a general understanding of the game and playing it, just understanding the absolute basic main points, you know, was enough for me to understand the game. Then when I observed my fellow players and to see what they were doing and how they were treating kind of the offshoot rules, I started understanding the strategy of it and I started feeling a little bit more confident. I actually did quite well for, I mean, I came second out of the four of us having played it simply because that review made it accessible. I didn't sit down at the table and and whip out the, you know, the rule book with all its tiny writing and pictures. It, the review made it accessible and fun. And as a result, I understood the game and wasn't intimidated going in and learned as I played. It's amazing the the value of just quality of explaining and turning into human um, processable terms. A good like video review will save you so much um, ambiguity and headaches learning a game that for me it's just the go-to as opposed to, I never actually open the book these days. And Absolutely, yeah. When you like learn a game also you, you're kind of training a muscle and so games, you know, initially it's a bit, can be tricky to learn games, but as you said, like there's just key things that you start to look for and you turn like this big sounding, um, you know, it's, um, behemoth into little pieces and you, it kind of all just makes sense. And then you've got overlapping things. So you learn a couple mechanics and then you see them in like, you know, 10 other games and between mm. the, the developing that muscle, the commonalities and just good explanations, you know, it, it, it becomes a almost a, a thing of ease and it's sometimes hard to explain that to new players like you know the more games you play and just the better understanding and explanations it, it's actually not that hard to pick up things even though they, they as you said they can look quite intimidating yeah yeah and and, and a well-designed game makes those those com- those kind of intimidating looking components accessible and intuitive almost uh, and yeah as you say the more games you play the more you recognize from other games um, and absolutely yeah so if you want to be good at board games, if you want to have a wide variety of board games, play a wide variety. Don't be afraid. Go to board game stores. You know, they often have playable copies lying on the shelves. And, and don't be afraid. Get get people to explain to, to you. Come join Zarnia for our board game jams. Come play board games with us. Come to comic, go to comic cons. Um, and you'll, you'll find that there's always a, there's a game for someone everywhere. Yeah. Uh, I've actually got this game called Wonderland War, which is a fantastic game about building a bag and special powers and, and the characters of Wonderland from, you know, Alice um, story, just battling it out. And it's actually a lot of rules, a ton of components. And it's people all like, Oh, this looks very scary. But I played with a lot of people, a lot of casuals have experienced players. And after a few rounds, everyone's got it. And that's a lot to absorb, but it's, while well, good design intuitiveness can just break that, that process down so well. And I find that game a great example of that. It's like, oh, mm. someone's not that experienced. Quite a lot going on. And they're like, no, they're fine. They had a great experience and they were competitive. Yeah, oh, that's amazing. Well, I haven't played it yet, but I'm oh, definitely going to give it a It's a gem. It's a gem. But it's a lot of rules, like a million components, but 
literally anyone's coped and this is me going to public events which is a whole mixed bag of people and everyone's had a good time and just been able to absorb it because it's intuitive and couple around you know you walk through the motions and you're like ah cool epic <laughs> um yeah so in board game playing any memorable moments oh i mean there's just so many i mean like it's, a, it's difficult to, yeah, to pick just one fun stories maybe oh fun stories I mean, we could be here for days for fun stories. It's difficult to answer because a lot of fun comes from the fact that it's almost like an inside joke or an inside moment that it's almost like one of those, you have to be there moments, you know? Um, because yeah. it, when I, when I talk about that's, that's the, that's the problem with like with board games, it's, it's, it's not the same as like, you know, scoring an epic goal in soccer or, in, or scoring a try in rugby. It's not like this. It's a process that happens inside you and is experienced with very few people so i'm trying to think the first time i played wingspan and that that game is it's, it's, it's a it's a fairly heavy game i wouldn't call it um an easy one to learn it is accessible it's a beautiful game and i really didn't know what i was doing um and i was playing against others that had played it a few times that knew the game really well and i found out that during the game you can score you score one point per egg right and i didn't know about the kind of the other goals or you know other things i was just like i'm gonna focus on these eggs i'm just gonna get eggs you know i don't care about anything else i'm just gonna get birds that are gonna get me eggs and i don't know what these other goals are i don't know what a tree but what a what kind of nest that is i don't know what kind of this that is eggs eggs was my focus and you know it was a bit of a, a running joke there where it's like, oh, you're just focusing on eggs. Are you sure you want to just, you know, you don't want to do this? I didn't fully understand what that was because I was still learning the game. And at the end of the game, my my board is just absolutely covered in eggs. I had, all, I had used up my entire tray of eggs. I had used up the bulk of a deal's eggs. And so I had all these white and green eggs all over my board. And they had you know, strategized and had created these devious plans and combos with their birds. And then when it came up to the moment of counting up your victory points, each egg was worth a victory point and each, you know, and the birds have their own values. And I had filled up my board with birds and because I wanted, you need space to have the eggs. So you have to buy birds. And as we're counting, you know, there's a deal was on 87, John was on like 91 and I ended up on like 110. <laughs> and I was like, all I did the entire time was eggs. And it was my first time playing and I won. And I was just like, wow, this game is easy. You just buy eggs, right? <laughs> and and everyone was kind of, uh, you know, intrigued that, that my egg strategy worked. I think it was definitely some dumb luck. But, you know, I still, when I play wing, Wingspan now, if there's one tip I can give to people playing Wingspan is go for the eggs. Well, your ecosystem is brilliant for the continuation of the bird species. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were millions of birds after that. <laughs> Those eggs just hatched into tens of thousands of birds. Yeah, as long as they're not hardy does, I think we're enthusiastic. <laughs> <laughs> There's enough of those in Cape Town. Actually, I did a podcast and there was a hardy bird that sneaked in the background, but because you're so absorbed, you don't even think about it. And then in the podcast, it was so irritating because every time they said something cool, it was like, go on! <laughs> like, no! <laughs> that editing nightmare. Oh, it, it, makes, it makes it uniquely South African. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no the um, podcast, at least overseas, is going to have this. <laughs> like, yeah. Almost pterodactyl scream in the background. So, yeah. Um, Love so it. on the the role playing side, let, let's start with the, the the magic of role playing to you, hmm. and maybe just um, a little background on what it is for those for those people who don't know what role playing is. You take on a persona within. I'm going to talk about it in the context of Dungeons and Dragons, right? Just make it easier. You take on you create a character within the game, um, and you you take on the persona of that character, and you play as them 
um, in the game. So, you know, if you play a computer game, for example, you generally get given a character that plays through the storyline, whereas in Dungeons and Dragons, you create that character and you work with your dungeon master in real time to play out scenarios to you know, create this world together and create the story together. But the dungeon master creates it, describes it for you, and you play as your character through that. So you decide and act as if you are that creature or that person within this world. And what's lovely about it, which, which computer games are slowly cottoning onto, is that it's a sandbox, or at least if you have the right DM, it's a sandbox world. You can literally do whatever you want within this space. And I don't speak for every role player, but it's a lovely way to experiment with personality. It's a lovely way to experiment with play and just having fun and just trying things that you can't try in real life. You can't fly. You can't talk to a dragon. You can't um, do all these things, but you get to play in this space. And it is, it's, it's just you let your imagination run free and it, it triggers parts of your thinking that you know have been dormant since you were a child that are so essential to your happiness and to your general well-being and to you know a sense of of knowing who you are and on a deeper level you also are able to experience life through someone else's eyes if you take the the role play you know a little bit further um, something as simple as playing, as a, I identify as a man, playing a female or a, a, a woman character in this world and trying to understand and experience that world through the eyes of a, of a woman. You know, obviously it's limited and, and there's, there's limited success, but the fact that, is, that I am able to play a game in a safe space with friends to delve into the perspective of another person even is enriching in, in so many ways that you wouldn't normally associate Dungeons and Dragons with. Not everyone does that, obviously, and it's definitely, it's a personal choice to how deep you want to delve and how you want to treat it. It's still, even if you do it lightly, even if you're just doing it, if you're playing a very weird character and that is, you know, if you don't experience certain things in your real life, but your character, because of the way they look or because of the way they speak or because of the way they're, you know, their religious or cultural beliefs in this world, experiences it in a way that you wouldn't experience your normal life. Just that shift in perspective is incredibly healthy and fun um, to play with and play in um so that is the magic of role play for me is is being able to to play to experiment and to immerse yourself in that play which makes it something we used to do as kids all the time and for some reason that's been you know wrung out of us as adults you can't do you can't be silly you can't have you know play pretend of course you can. <laughs> you know, people wouldn't be able to write books. People wouldn't be able to write scripts. People wouldn't be able to write movies and uh, all these things that we consume constantly if they weren't allowed of their, to, to think in that space, to be able to play and to be able to experiment with perspectives and stories that are outside of themselves. Um, and, and role play is, you know, it's just you're enacting those thoughts so the same way someone would write a fantasy novel or a book about a detective. You can play that detective. You can play that fantasy character. It's just a more direct way of playing out that story rather than writing it down uh, or filming it. You're playing it out with your friends in, a, in what is usually a safe space. And that's just lovely. Yeah. It's, yeah, exactly. You get to embrace that inner child, just have some genuine fun. And, you know, through that um, immersion, you can create your own experience, you know, have the confidence to, you know, do, play how you want, you know, be whatever you want to be. Just 
have fun, enjoy, and yeah, it's your world. I, I think like the storytelling aspect, just the jokes and humor, and every time it's just something new, and you're not, you don't in the modern world get that many avenues to embrace such creativity and agency. Yeah, and uh, touching on the humor, it's you find yourself saying things that uh, sentences, I mean, I'm sure you've played Dungeons and Dragons where you find yourself saying a sentence that makes absolutely no sense in the real world that you would never say in the real world because that situation would never happen. And it's hilarious. Like a, a fun example was recently on Critical Role. There was a scene where the one character says, you know, I throw my familiar like a rubber chicken at someone and I use the rubber chicken to shoot lightning. Like that is a ridiculous sentence. You know, but it's but it's so funny because it's so ridiculous. But it's also you know it, it's it progresses the story forward. Everyone's having fun. Everyone's laughing at you, but you're still you know within the world. Um, and there's just there's also like a magical feeling when you're sharing that moment with everyone. Um, that's a sense of camaraderie and fun that you don't find anywhere else. On the on the the bird stories, I had a friend who was I wasn't in this game, but I was chatting to him, and he says. He had all these big, you know, badass monsters, and the idea was just to give the players basically a massive, maybe even overwhelming challenge. And this one guy was like some weird, wonderful wizard who had unlocked some special abilities, and he just kept turning all the monsters into chickens. <laughs> and somehow yeah. this scenario had been sort of star aligned to be like a viable thing. And he's like, and uh, anyways, it's like that kind of thing. Or you get mm. married to a, a dragon, or you know, it's, yeah, it's just truly embracing the fun. Yeah. Yeah. And just, just on, on that note, like it is also very important to, with role play, you know, if you are going to experiment, if you are going to jump into that world, you know, to, to do so with the understanding of what everyone's limits are in terms of, you know, what is, what is appropriate and what isn't appropriate. So for anyone listening or for, you know, just my message to people who want to start, and, you know, start, have fun, go crazy, you know, like really live it, but just do it with people who are on the same page as you. Um, so there's nothing wrong with people who, who want to play a really violent game of Dungeons and Dragons and, and, and lean on this kind of like, you know, heavy war story or whatever. It's as long as everyone at the, around the table is, is consenting to that type of play. And for example, like swearing at some tables, not okay. Some tables love it you know, um, and think it's, and think it's the, great. And there's nothing wrong with either scenario, but as long as everyone around the table is comfortable with it and consents to that kind of play, um, it's, it's something that is often, especially in the geek space is, is not discussed enough. Um, that consent and appropriateness and comfort is definitely growing. It's becoming better. Definitely. But if you are starting, just make sure that the people you are playing with are comfortable with your style of play and consent to the kind of and everyone's happy with the type of game that is you know, is going to be played. And then you're going to have an absolute ball. Absolute ball. Yeah. You know, um, this makes me think when I was running, well, I was running the board game section at Rhodes University and part of the gaming society inherently. And on the committee, we had this time where we were tackling issues um, such as inclusivity, you know, good behavior, appropriateness, you know, um, maybe unreasonable or traveling themes. And yeah, and because it is an issue and, you know, people sometimes get a bit carried away, say the wrong things, um, sometimes forget that, you know, other people are also there for fun and their experience is as important as yours. And so, you know, that was an example of 
how you can proactively challenge these things. But yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's sometimes people in more general settings have like the safe word system where I think there's like a, you can give in a card and that's just saying, I'm not kind of happy what's happening in the scene or, you know, something about the scenario. And DM sees the card play and is just like, okay, cool, move on, um, change the topic um, just to keep it appropriate fun. Do you feel like you there's good life skills you learn from role playing? Absolutely. Like communication is something, I mean, me personally, just the way I, the confidence with which I speak to people, it was, was boosted by playing Dungeons and Dragons, by, you know, in, in tangentially then getting involved in improv classes and stuff. It's just, it really is um, something that improves your communication on another level, you know, because you're constantly communicating. So if you're a shy person and you're role playing, putting up that mask or that front and within that mask, you're able to talk to people. Suddenly that skill applies for when that mask is off. Um, so for me, that, that is the wonderful thing. And also another thing which I touched on earlier was in, in a game that I played off camera, just with friends, you know, I was playing a character who, you know, was not myself, but was, you know, attracted to people and interested in things that were, were outside of my personal you know, beliefs and attractions and, you know, sexuality and having and, and playing that character was enlightening because I was playing it with people who are from that world and who we spoke about it before and afterwards. And, you know, it was an enriching experience to play that character and for that split second, for that little bit, see through the eyes of a person who is like that. And that definitely taught me so much about you know these other worlds that I don't necessarily partake in um, or I'm not a part of. And that was lovely. That was really something that touched me greatly. And it was great to do that with, the, with people who, you know, were so understanding and were supportive of that. Um, yeah, and that was, that was something really, really nice. So in terms of the, the channel and your role-playing content, maybe just kind of describe the thoughts and process of, you know, selecting the right game, playing the right game and developing content that appeals to listeners and is successful. The games we play from an RPG perspective, you know, we, we choose them simply because they're fun. We want people to, we want our players to have fun. We want our players to engage deeply with the, with the characters that they've created and with the world that John has created. And that creates, if they're having fun and the story and the commitment is engaging and believable, then, then our, our audience are going to jump in and be going for along the ride. You know, we're, we're not creating RPG stories with a particular niche or audience in mind. We are creating them in a way that we feel is what we, we want to, to be fun. We want to have fun. We spend hours making these things and we want to have fun doing it. We want our characters to have a believable world that they can play in and engage in and, you know, really sink their teeth into the character and the world because that makes the character compelling and believable for the listener or for the viewer of, of the channel. Um, and then there are minor things that, you know, we talk about like, and these are technical things that we talk about to make it more accessible to people who want to watch and want to listen, you know, just getting the right kind of microphone, getting the right kind of space, so that everyone can sit comfortably, you know, and, and play comfortably. Um, so that from a technical perspective, it's easy to hear. It's easy to see. You're not thinking about the technicalities. You're not wondering why is the sound so bad or whatever. You're just engaging in the story um, as the as the listener or the viewer. And then in terms of finding content for, for the other stuff that we do, um, we do a lot of research into, you know, up and coming 
designers, authors, script writers. Like we are lucky that we are based in that world ourselves, um, and we we find them and we we ask them to be on our show <laughs> yeah. um, because we want to support the geek space. And when it comes to like board games, we do a deal is our board game guru. He's very much got his finger on the pulse of board game trends around the world. So we we try and keep our games, you know. That are, we try and talk about games that are new, that are interesting, that are that are being talked about around the world because that's the trend. But also, we are always on the hunt for the next local board game designer. We're, we want to, as I said, support the local industry, and which we've done to some extent. Um, South Africa is not rich in board game designers, uh, and those ones who are, do exist, it is maybe another another conversation for another podcast. But board game design comes with a lot more obstacles in South Africa than in the States or in Europe. And so it's very tricky to actually get a game published in South Africa um, without spending your own money, to be honest. But still, we want to support them in any way we can. And it's not just through the channel, but it's also through the events that we do. We invite them to Comic Cons. We invite them to board game jams. There's a wealth of ways that we you know, engage with that space in order to have content on our channel so when you see a local designer on our channel it's not just them being there on our channel you'll probably see under the surface we've probably done an event with them we've probably done some kind of another thing with them um and it's yeah it's really that is how we go about creating our content it is a different approach to different types of content so just in summary rpg is something that we we believe we want to create something that's believable and fun for ourselves and we understand as filmmakers and as theater makers how to translate that to the audience. For us, that's second nature. When it comes to local geeks and speaking to geeks, we just, we want to, we want to talk to you. So if, you, if you're writing a book, if you've published a book, if you've published a board game, if you've written a script that's being made into a series that's within the geek space, please give us a shout. We'll love to have you on the show. And then um, finally, for board games, it is a combination of international trends and mechanics combined with local designers and getting them in the spotlight and getting their games out there. Yeah. As some final kind of advice for developing a successful YouTube channel and even just a channel and content creation in the geek sort of sphere, what would you say to those aspiring out there? The, the kind of the typical thing to say would be to you know go out and do it. Just do it. Don't worry about what other people think. That is true to some extent. You do have to worry about what other people will think. You do need to, as I said earlier in the podcast, you do need to understand your audience because if you create something that your audience doesn't like or doesn't resonate with, then you're wasting your time. So know your audience. But don't necessarily compare yourself to other content within that space, but understand your audience. If that means consuming other content within the space, then do so with the idea of consuming it with to learn about the audience rather than to consume it to compare yourself to it. I hope that distinction is clear. And the other thing is, and this is probably my biggest piece of advice, so listen carefully to whoever's out there and wants to do this. Do not underestimate the amount of effort and time it takes to edit and to create the actual content. The technology and the skills needed should not be underestimated. To create a video with lots of cuts and effects and it, it's fun to watch. It's a five-minute video to to see, but that probably took a full workday, if not more, for someone who does this for a living. You know, like me, I edit, you know, professionally, and some of these videos take me sometimes even up to two full work days to put together. People out there do not underestimate that. Make your own life easy by making your production process lean and efficient. Do not be too ambitious in the beginning. Start relatively small and build rather than starting with a big ambition and finding yourself bogged down. There have been many channels that have come and gone during the existence of Zarnia that have tried to 
create similar content, that have tried to create content for the space. And every single one, without fail, has been bogged down in the admin and then the post-production process. They find that it's so much fun to film all this stuff. It's so much fun to write all these things. And then they sit down and they're like, oh, crap, I have two hours of footage that needs to be a five-minute video suddenly and it takes you know hours to put that together suddenly they don't have the time that video gets stashed away somewhere they move on with their lives because they have jobs they have other ambitions they have other things going on and that video gets forgotten and the channel dies before it was even alive and to the listeners any final things you'd like to say you know to everyone out there thanks for listening um thanks for checking out zonda games and geekery um i hope you're excited we have some really cool content coming up. We've got a new campaign that's coming up with a new Dungeons and Dragons with a new cast in the same world, uh, which is going to be a lot of fun. Also created by John Keevy and DM'd by John Keevy. And you'll see that there's a lot more content coming out. We're going to be a bit more consistent. We've had a bit of a dip in our production process simply because both of our core members have had babies. Um, so they're dealing with infants. They're dealing with, you know, being new fathers. So it's it's an exciting time for us in our private lives. But now uh, that things have settled down there, uh, we're going to be creating more content. We're going to be, uh, you know, bringing some new zip to the Zania channel. Um, and yeah, please come, come join us at Dragonfire. Come join us at our events. If you're interested in the geek space, if you want to come play board games with us, you want to come play Dungeons and Dragons with us, you're welcome. Give us a shout on Instagram uh, or on YouTube. Come comment on our videos. And yeah, look forward to meeting you. Yeah, thank you. I personally will say I'm very excited to check out the new content. And also in future, if I see you at events, just to hang out, experience yeah. Zania games and geekery, and just yeah, get involved in the community. So thank you, Mikkel, for joining us today and sharing this exhilarating world of board games and role-playing games through the lens of Zarnia Games and Geekery on YouTube. Oh, thanks for having me. As we continue to explore the power perspective, may your gaming journeys be filled with excitement, camaraderie, and boundless creativity. Until our paths cross again, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at Power of Perspective with Stephen. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for a new episode and subscribe if you haven't and appreciate the support. Mm-hmm.